Good morning. How's everybody this morning? We woke up to snow, um, but it's a beautiful day, and we are here to lift our voices in praise to an amazing God who loves us. I love that line in that song. It says, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. It demands it from us. So as we lift our voices this morning, as we get ready to pray, as we get ready to sing, remember who we're singing to. We get the honor and the privilege to sing to the King of Kings. And I'm sure he doesn't care if you can hold a tune. So belt it out. Let's hear it this morning as we sing. Um, I think we have some announcements, Derek. So you're on. Please sit down. We'll be, as Ben says, we will be spending some time in worship a little bit later. But this morning we have a a special slot. Um, You're probably aware that Alyssa McGrail is uh, one of our members, and she is off going around the world, sort of. And you probably think, what's something to do with a world race and we pray for her and what, you know, what, what on earth is she doing? Well, mum and dad are here and they're going to come and tell us. So we're going to have an update from Corey and Jess on what Alyssa McGrail is up to. So over to you. Good morning. This is what it looks like from up here. Derek, what, 35 minutes? Is that what you said? (laughs) Well, thanks. Uh, Real quickly, I'd I'd love to say um, thank you for uh, your support for Alyssa. Um, You were the last uh, step of financial support to get her to the fundraising goal she had to go on the world race. And um, so I think that's really neat. And that you were the hands and feet of uh, Jesus to be God's provision to her. Um, So thank you for that. Thank you for your prayers. Um, I want to just say a little bit about what the World Race is. Uh, It is run by um, Adventures and Missions. It's a nine-month World Race gap year. It's a a mission trip to five different countries. So I'll let uh, Alyssa, I'll let Jess uh, tell you a little bit more about the countries that uh, Alyssa is in and what she's doing there. Okay. Um, okay, so Alyssa started in the Dominican. Um, they worked for a place called Hope Mountain. You should see a few of those pictures up there. That's the Dominican. Um, at Hope Mountain, they did a few different things. They uh, went around to houses. They worked on the actual campus of Hope Mountain, which is a church planting ministry in the Dominican. So they are training up native Dominican people to lead their churches, which is kind of awesome. Then they went on to Haiti, where uh, they worked with Hope. It's called Hope for Haiti, I believe was the name of it. And there they really did a lot of just individual home visits. They would travel, they would hike to different villages and just meet with people one-on-one. And the teams were encouraged to share their testimonies, just share the gospel with people, Um, And they got to work with children a lot, which Alyssa absolutely loved. Some of the pictures you'll see from the DR, she's playing basketball with a a group of kids. And um, I remember her saying she was just amazed at how gifted these children were in sports. It was a little intimidating for her. 
Then after Haiti, she, she got the stomach flu and got to fly on an airplane throwing up for 12 hours. And uh, that was great. Now, but then they ended in Botswana, and they were in Botswana for two months. And they worked with a couple of different ministries there. They worked with a sports, like a, it was almost like a school day care kind of place where they worked with children. And then they also spent some time with adults there as well. And now she is currently in South Africa, where they are working in the squatter villages. I don't know if you know anything about those, but in South Africa, after the fall of apartheid there, uh, lots of people moved into the cities, particularly in Johannesburg, which is where they are. And they came flooding to the cities looking for work and weren't able to find work. And so now they live in these very desolate conditions. Um, And the teams are going out almost every day, eight hours a day, just from house to house to house, sharing the gospel in these squatter villages. So Corey's going to share a little bit of prayer requests later. That's difficult for Alyssa. She's, she is an introvert. She gets her energy from being alone. And so talking all day, every day, has been a little bit of a challenge for her. But instead of hearing from me, I thought that I could just read a few things from Alyssa because some of them are pretty funny. She wrote a blog. She has a blog that you can go on and read. She's actually right in the middle right now of doing a photo blog on members of her team and her squad. That's really neat. Um, but in December, she wrote a blog called My Mind Is, and these, she just shared 60-something thoughts that had kind of been running through her mind, and they're, they're funny and also challenging. So I'm going to read some of them. I won't read all of them. So these are Alyssa's words. Love is essential. It is the foundation of who we are and should be the purpose behind all we do. Being vulnerable is always a good idea. I don't have my glasses, so I can't help you. (laughs) Great. Um, Being vulnerable is always a good idea and always ends up. I just seriously can't. <laughs> well, let me, get, let, me read, let me have your glasses, and I'll read them. How am I looking? All right. <clears throat> These are Alyssa's words here. Whoa, this is loud. Uh, being vulnerable is always a good idea and always ends up being beneficial, even if it's hard. Community is hard. Choosing to love people in community is even harder. Well, that was a good one. Why did God create bugs? These are all just things that are on her mind. <clears throat> Uh, Hot showers are a gift from God himself. This is my favorite one right here. Boys are filthy animals. (laughs) Obedience is rewarding. Step out of your comfort zone. The fight between my flesh and my spirit is constant. I have to choose which to give in to. Uh, Jesus was always busy but never in a hurry. Focusing on the future breeds so much discontent. Uh, What does it mean to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? I need God to love God. So many great thoughts here. Suffering is a blessing in disguise. My emotions are valid and not something to be ashamed of. Do I actually desire God or just what he gives me? I like this one too. Is radical living actually radical or is it just biblical? These glasses are just throwing me off here. Um, Guilt and shame are not of the Lord. You don't always have to agree with people, but you always have to make an effort to understand them. 
Even though God knows our every thought, he still desires for us to talk to him. He doesn't need me, but he wants me and he chooses me. Sitting in a place of deep conviction is hard, but it leads to growth. Um, Headphones are sometimes the closest I get to alone time. Coffee is real good. (laughs) Amen. And then I'll end with uh, I'll end with this one. She said, um, "Chicken doesn't just come in a neat package in a grocery store; they must be slaughtered." So there you go. Um, so if you want to um, read her blog, uh, you can uh, go to the World Race. Alyssa uh, sorry, Alyssa McGrail. That's why she's here. Alyssa McGrail. Dot theworldrace. Dot org. Um, you can just find her name, and uh, if you want to read the blogs, um, they're they're along the lines of what I just read to you. And, what Jess tried to read to you. Um, oftentimes I'm brought to tears reading them, and I've had some of you share with us how your lives have been impacted by reading them. So go there. We'll send out an email through Jody so everybody has that link. Don't feel like you need to write that down. And then just real quick, uh, two prayer requests uh, for, um, for their team and for Alyssa, uh, for fresh energy and excitement for them. They're on what month? Number six. Six of nine. So that's a lot of time to be away from home, be in three different, four different countries now. Uh, different places. The the group that she's with is there's seven others, and it's a real intense community. They live together. They um, they share the word together. They preach together. They eat together. They rest together. They do everything together. So Alyssa uh, is an introvert, as Jess said, and she needs her alone time. So uh, pray for fresh energy and excitement. And then um, the last one is just for her future. Um, as she gets to the tail end of the world race is what's next. This is a world race gap year. So dad wants her to go to college when she's done. And um, so we're trying to figure out what are the next details there. And um, she's looking at her future to try and figure out, does she want to be a full-time missionary? Does she want to, you know, so many thoughts in her mind. So thanks for listening to us. And Derek, I don't know if you need to come back up or um, when does she go to the Philippines? She has two more weeks left in uh, Johannesburg, and then she goes to the Philippines for three three months. That's great. Thank you both very much. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for Alyssa. We thank you for giving her the heart to serve. Lord, we thank you that you've been with her in the different ministries she's been involved with so far. And as she continues with the team, we pray that for the remaining time that they will just be uh, freshly envisioned by your spirit day by day. We pray that it won't become routine, that it won't just be another person or another journey or another issue. May their love for you just energize them, uh, refresh them day by day. We pray for her future, Lord, as she thinks, uh, or at least as mum and dad think about what happens when she comes back. We just pray that you will imprint on her heart your desire for her life. And we pray, Father, that she will just continue to glorify you, to serve you, to live for you. We pray that you'll watch over her, that you'll keep her safe, that you will bless her, and may many lives be blessed through her. Pray that you'll bless the rest of the family here at home, and Lord, we just give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thanks Pastor. Okay. Wow, such incredibly wise words from uh, a young lady. Uh, Make sure we keep her in our prayers as uh, she continues on. Guys, why don't you jump up out of your chairs? All right, 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 how about stand up out of your chairs, okay? We'll we'll go there. Uh, Help us sing this morning. We are few. We are kind of just...
scaled down here this morning, so we need you guys to sing with us and give praises to our King.
Worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawn. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, if there is sin or if it's evil, bless the Lord of my soul. Bless the Lord of my Like never 
Oh, my soul, worship your holy name. Awesome. We serve an amazing God. I wish you guys could hear what I'm hearing when I hear you singing and your voices all together. You know, we're going to get to do that in heaven someday, man. And I can't even imagine what that's going to sound like. But I have to tell you, man, it's just, it's just warms my heart and lets me know you guys are here and you're singing and I hear your voices and I know God hears them this morning too.
Kids Church, uh, Kids Kingdom, what is it? Kingdom, Kingdom, Kingdom Kids. Kids, that's it. I knew I was get it. Go right out that door, uh, right over there, and follow right on down. In the chair in front of you, there should be a little card we'd really like you to fill that in and leave it with us as a box out in the foyer or the ushers will be coming around in a minute you can give it to them um, now when I came, checked up here before the service there was a piece of paper here with notices on but there ain't now <laughs> so um, I do know that the deaconesses have something they wish to draw to our attention so Alyssa up over to you and here comes the piece of paper. Hi, good morning. Um, I am here today on behalf of the Deaconesses, and if you don't know who they are, they are um, Shirley Adams, who I don't see this morning, um, Donna Blake, uh, Liz Cortez, Linda Horovitz, and myself. Um, and I'm here today to invite the ladies of the church to breakfast on Sunday, March 4th. We will be having a ladies-only breakfast downstairs in the school cafeteria, and we'd love for all of you to come join us. Um, we're going to be talking about the Sunday school class that we will be starting up the following week. So Sunday, March 4th is kind of the precursor to our Sunday school class. But if you're not planning on attending the class, we still want you to come to breakfast um, because we would like to get to know you better, and we would like you to get to know us better. So next Sunday morning during the Sunday school hour from 9 to 9.45, um, come and join us for breakfast. Thank you very much. Two weeks, I'm sorry, two weeks. Two weeks, breakfast in two weeks' time, ladies. So, and what time was it? 9 a.m. Sunday, March the 4th. Okay, fellas, you'll just have to come and drop your wife off and um, mingle. There's coffee, or there will be. So 
Okay, so thank you very much. That's great. Um, still looking for a few volunteers to assist with Kingdom Kids. If you haven't already done so, please see Terry Lucas or Katie Lucas, and they can give you more information. As I understand it, if you volunteer, you're not locked into doing every Sunday for the next 10 years. As I understand it, there's some sort of rotating system, so you're a few weeks on and a few weeks off, something like that, to ease the load. So if you think, well, I'm really not sure, but I don't want to bite off more than I can chew, have a word with Terry or Katie, and they can fill you in far better than I can. This is a real need. Um, Our kids uh, are here. It's great. So do consider if the Lord might want you to help at Kingdom Kids. Um, The Daily Bible. How are we doing? If you're reading it, you should be currently on page 916. Well, that's today. Maybe you're a bit ahead. Maybe you're a bit behind. Never mind. Keep going. Great stuff. If you're doing the e-book... You should be on July the 19th. And if anybody thinks, what's this daily Bible page and e-book it's all about? Many people are in the church uh, reading through the Bible, a special Bible that's divided up into a year, readings for a year. We're doing it in two years, so we're going at half speed, which makes it more manageable. And that's why we have these funny page numbers and e-books. So if you're up to date, that's where you'll be. So um, that's what it's about. Okay. I'm going to ask the ushers if they'd like to come forward, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to take up the offering. And then Pastor Tim is going to speak to us. Uh, Pastor John is away with his mum. <coughs> Pardon me. His mum's just had a second cataract operation, and apparently she's the sort of person who doesn't sit still. So I think John and, and Sherry are sort of just helping, trying to keep her calm so the cataract goes okay. Let's pray together. We've just been singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb to sit on the throne. Worthy, worthy. And this morning, Lord, this is what we're here for. It's good to meet with one another. But, Lord, we're here because there is a Lamb on the throne. We're here because, Lord Jesus, you were despised. You were rejected, as we've just been singing. You were forsaken. And you did it because you loved us. And we didn't deserve that. Reckless grace. Undeserved favor. And yet, Lord, what can we do to pay you back? Nothing. We can't earn our way into your favor because you already look with favor upon us. Lord, we don't understand that, but we just want to say thank you. That you're the holy God. You're the one who sits on the throne. You're the one who was and is and is to come. You're the one whom we trust who we look to for our salvation, and there's nothing we can do to contribute to it. So this morning we just want to say thank you. Thank you that we've been able to express something of that truth in the songs that we've been singing. Thank you that we've been able to lift our hearts to you in praise and adoration. You are worthy. Lord, we just give you praise and thanks that you're such a great God. Father, we just want to pause and We just mentioned Pastor John and his mother. We pray for his mother that she will soon heal up from the cataract operation, pray that it will have been successful, that there won't be any setbacks, and we pray your blessing upon her, Lord. Um, And bless Pastor John and Sherry. May they just know your peace and your grace, and may they just be able to serve and to love John's mother in this way. Pray, Lord, for Kathy Nywinning's mother also, who's just had surgery and... We thank you that she's back home. Pray that you'll give her 
clarity and insight to know what the next steps are. Pray that you'll bless her, Kathy and Bob, and the rest of the family at this time. And Father, others of us have got people who we would just want to bring before you. We just name them in our hearts before you. We pray, Lord, that you will be a God of grace to them. We pray that your peace will be in their hearts. We pray that you will implant hope where there needs to be hope and, and, and life where there needs to be life. And now, Lord, we thank you that you've given us so much. We just want to return to you uh, something of what you've given us. Lord, we pray that these gifts might be used for the furtherance of your kingdom in this place and elsewhere. And we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, good morning. Uh, as the ushers are finishing up, I'm just going to rearrange some furniture. If uh, you have a teenager in the building in our youth group who's come to hang out with us, you may have got an email that reads similarly familiar, I guess. Is that kind of yeah, similar, familiar, same thing, uh, to what's up on the screen today? And uh, the reason being is we're going to talk about our Wednesday night discussion this morning. And I, I was going to try it with the podium. It's not going to work. Got to move it. It's like an anchor. Like I feel like I have to stand there. And it, would just, it wouldn't work. So um, Pastor John is away, and, and he asked if I would uh, be able to put something together. And I said, you know, i got a great idea. I said, what if I took my Wednesday night and we did it on Sunday just to... Uh, Kind of not just for the teens' sake, but for the parents and some of the other folks who are kind of wondering, hey, what's going on with youth group? Just to give you a little bit of a taste of what we talk about on Wednesday nights. And we just started this new study called Vivid. It's a six-week study through the book of James. And the goal is to understand what in our life impacts us that keeps us from living this vivid faith. And I thought about this title and the series as I was kind of going through my TV one day and I was explaining it to the kids. I have a, a it's not a super big TV. Some of you have seen it. Uh, but you go into the menu and you can change the settings and there's a screen setting you can change. And you click onto it and there's a cinema setting and it makes everything kind of dim and it looks like a movie theater, I guess. I don't know. And then there's a custom setting. You put it on custom, and you can change the tint and the hue and the contrast, and you can do what you want with it. Then there's like the normal factory setting, but then there's this vivid setting. And you click on it, and everything is bright. The green's brighter, the red. I mean, everything just pops. And it's like this different experience in watching TV. And I thought, what if we could figure out how to turn that option on in our spiritual lives? How can we turn that on in our personal lives? How can we make our everyday life more vivid for Christ? So uh, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be hanging out in the book of James, and that's where we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning. And I, I'm really going to try to do this much like I do with the teenagers. So if some of you are like, eh, it seems kind of elementary, it seems kind of, hey, it's okay. Just try to key in, take what you can from it. This is, like I said, like, like a little bit of a snapshot of what we are doing with your kids, your teenagers, um, on Wednesday nights, and we're having some fun with them. So one of the things, the very first thing that we have to figure out, and I tell the kids this all the time, in, in figuring out how we go from one step to the next and we move in our spiritual lives, there's one constant thing, apart from the power that Christ is pouring into us, that we're always going to face. 
I'm always going to fight it. And it's always going to be there. It's always going to be a part of our life. It's always going to be on the inside. Sometimes it's going to manifest itself in our outward appearance, but it's always going to be there. And that's this, this three little word, three little lettered word called sin. And so many times we kind of dance around it and we just go like we've talked about change. We've talked about brokenness. We've talked about embracing it. We've talked about how do we get from one step to the next. It it all kind of comes to a head at first. The very first thing we have to do is realize that this is a real thing. It's a real weight. It's something that will always continually try to fight within us to push us backwards. We measure our growth and how we combat sin. You can see this in your kids' lives. You can see it in your life. You can see it in your spouse, your fiancé, for those who have fiancés in here. That's just one right now. (laughs) But but we see this in our own lives, and this is our measuring stick. And I have a quote with you that I want to share, and this is what it says. It says, He that wishes to attain right views about Christian holiness must begin by examining the vast and solemn subject of sin. He must dig down very low if he would build high. A mistake here is most mischievous. Wrong views about holiness are generally traceable to wrong views about human corruption. Misunderstanding our sin causes us to misunderstand God. Not just His holiness and His righteousness and His justice, but His love and His grace and His mercy. So we kind of got to hit rewind and go back and we got to dig into this subject a little bit and say, hey, here's the reality of it. Here's what it does to your life. Here's some steps to overcome it. This is what it says. The plain truth is that a right knowledge of sin lies at the root of all saving Christianity. I got this from a book that Pastor Hawko let me borrow. Uh, J.C. Riley is the original quote, but it's, a, it's excerpted in uh, The Christian Life, which is an interesting book. It's a practical book on doctrine and how the practical doctrines of things like sin and justification impact us on an everyday basis. So today, as we kind of move through it, there's a couple of things that I want to accomplish. And one of them is to identify the internal struggle with sin. And we want to commit to fight against it. This is what we tell your kids. you got to fight against this. This isn't something that you can just give into. And then to develop a correct view of sin and its impact. So if you have your Bibles with me this morning, I'm going to ask that you turn to the book of James. We're going to be in chapter 1 for a little bit. We're going to read some verses, then we're going to pray, and we're going to jump right into it. And um, we'll, we'll get out of here soon-ish. My uh, my wife has junior church today, so she said, if you could keep it to like a half hour. I said, when if I ever kept anything to a half hour? You're lucky if I get out of here in an hour. So no, we'll be, we'll be respectful of that. So James chapter 1, if you have it in your Bibles, we're going to look at verses 12 through 17. This is what it says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted of God, by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above 
coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, I just pray that you help me to speak clearly as we get into your word. Lord, let this be a time for us to kind of look back into our lives. Uh, some of the things we've talked about is experiencing your grace and understanding change and, and how we can be conformed to your image. Lord, we need to start at the beginning sometimes and realize that we're our own worst enemy. Lord, it's this sin that we battle every day. And sometimes we're afraid to put a name to it. We just accept it as who we are. We just accept it as our brokenness. But Lord, if we want to change, if we want to be like you, if we want to conform to your image, this is where it begins. Lord, help us this morning as we read into your word. Help us to see where we can make changes and adjustments in our own lives. Lord, we ask that you uh, be with us this morning as we commit this time into your hand through the name of your Son. Amen. So James, in these passages, describes for us how sin works, what it does, and how it impacts our lives. Some of the themes that we've talked about over the past couple of weeks, we did a little mini kind of theology study where we kind of broke down what it means, the nature of God, his characteristics, his moral attributes, who he is, what he is, how it all kind of fits together, and how each of those things impact our life. So this is kind of where we find ourselves to be. And where we start off is understanding we know the omnis, right? God is omnipresent. He's omniscient. We get all that. He's all powerful. We're going to work today off of the assumption that everybody already knows what that means because I don't have the time to go back into that. So God's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's everlasting. From that, we can build these fancy if-and-then statements. If God knows everything... He knows what I'm struggling with. He knows how to help me. He knows where I'm falling. He knows A, B, and C. Like We, we can build those. And then when we look at his uh, moral attributes, the things that he is, that are his character, his righteousness, his holiness, his requirement for justice, his love, his nature, things that make God who he is by his, his understanding of, of who we are and how we experience him. And these are the things that he pours out into us. And again, we're going to work with the assumption that everybody in here knows all that because we don't have time to unpack all that. If you don't, and you're like, hey, what's, uh, uh, set up, hey, come talk with us. Come find time to say, what is, what you, when you say God is love, what's it mean? You say God requires justice, what does that mean? Because the way I see the world, there's really justice nowhere, right? So come talk to us. We can sort that out. So what's important to remember in this uh, study as we get started is, is James lets us know right at the beginning where this problem comes from. It doesn't come from God. Temptation is not a God thing. And somebody asked this question, well, what's the difference between a test, testing, and temptation? Temptation is never, ever going to impact your spiritual life in a positive way by giving into it. Never. When we talk about how does God test us, is it the same? God tests us in ways that are going to push us in our relationship with Him in the right way. We're going to find ourselves relying on his peace. We're going to find ourselves relying on his strength. Think of this. God tested Abraham. He said, pack up everything that you have and go. I'm just going to tell you where to go. And later on, he says, take your son, go sacrifice him. Those are tests. There's no sin in there. There's no temptation to sin. It's, will you obey God or will you not? Temptation is that desire that sits inside of us that says... Does God really mean what he says? I mean, is that really right? I mean, did God really say? 
Is that really what he meant? Do you really think he expects you to live up to all this stuff in this book? I can tell you, if you've ever had those feelings or thoughts, those are not from God. God's not going to make you think and say, God, yeah, I really, uh, I'm going to question everything that you have to say. I don't believe you. You're a liar. That's not, that's that battle within us. James tells us that, uh, evil desires, evil desires pop up into our head. And we're going to talk about these each in a minute. They conceive, they give birth. This, this whole idea of, of sin and these evil desires and then thinking about it, it takes action. It's a deliberate action. And I tell the kids, listen, here's what you have to understand. Temptation in and of itself is not sin. I want to steal a candy bar. I'm tempted to steal a candy bar. Okay. That doesn't, that doesn't equal sin. That means you have this desire that's inside of you that is battling against the spirit saying, don't steal the candy bar. Bad idea. Temptation requires action for us for it to commit to be turned into sin. And that's where the trouble comes. Because once we start taking these actions and we tell the kids this, I told them this Wednesday night, that you have to think about it. We are tempted by it. Our evil desires pop up. It's something that drives us and says, man, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about committing this action. I'm thinking about committing this action. The more we think about committing that action, the less likely we are to not commit that action. Does that make sense? Think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it. Then it's just like, well, I might as well do it. And on the flip side of that, the more we do it, the less we're going to think about it the next time. We're just going to be more inclined to do it. It's this battle that's continually raging inside of us. And uh, I actually wrote down something that your daughter said because it fit perfectly. This battle is constant. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop when you're 36 and a youth pastor. It doesn't stop when you're Ben's age leading worship. Look, 40, 43, 44, somewhere around there. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. I was going with 45. All right, yeah. It doesn't stop. It's constant. It's continual. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter. Hey, I grew up in church. You know, my dad's a pastor. My grandfather's a pastor. I'm like sixth generation ministry. It doesn't matter. It doesn't stop. It doesn't change. And the approach of temptation and what the devil uses in our lives does not change. It's a constant. Part of that constant is death. As James tells us, when sin is conceived, it goes its course. When it's done, it brings death. Paul tells us, for the wages of sin is death. There's a great but in that verse. But the gift of God is eternal life. And this is what I mean when I say if you don't have an understanding of what sin is, you don't have an understanding of what but the gift of God is eternal life means. Because the sin is just, eh, it's just a thing. Well, if, if, if the Bible says that the result of our sin is death, it's this eternal separation from God. It's this limited power that as a Christian you have, it will equal death. It will bring death. It will bring death. That's what it says. Death. I, I don't want it. I want a life that's going to be empowered by the Spirit. I, I want it to be vivid. Am I going to struggle? Yeah. Am I going to fail? Yeah. 
Do I feel like sometimes when I get up and I get dressed and I walk into these doors that I'm a fraud? Yeah, can I tell you something? You probably do too. Yeah. I'm not anything special because I work with teens and I teach... Listen, you could tell her. I don't know if there's truer words. It will be a constant in your life. So it's important to understand where it comes from, how it impacts me, and how do I overcome it? How can I get past this? First Peter, first one, 15 and 16 says, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves. Also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So this is the command that God's given us. And uh, Ryan, if you could hit the video, we're going to, this is part of what we do on Wednesdays. So we'll just let you guys enjoy it too. Oh, can you click on the middle of the slide? Usually you have to click in the middle of it. All right, it's not cooperating. That's okay. We are good. I will explain to you what the video is. All right? So the video is just a gentleman who's standing in a gymnasium, and he's got two basketballs. One is flat, and he takes the basketball, and he drops it. And guess what happens? And just sits there. And then he encourages us, listen, The purpose of this is to be filled with something that's going to empower it to do its job. Get it? So the purpose of pumping air into a basketball is to make it bounce. It's filled with something. Something has consumed all that negative space, and because of that, it's able to fulfill its purpose. Much like be holy, for God is holy. Be set apart with a purpose because you have something to do with your walk, whether it's with your family, whether you have a ministry. We all have something that we have in our lives that is ministry related. You don't just have to be on staff here at Harmony or another church if you're visiting today. You've all been called to this lifestyle. We've all been called to be holy. We've all been called to follow and to submit to what God has for us. Verse 12 I love this word. Verse 12 says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. Perseveres. And I read this and I think, man, what an awesome concept to this battle of sin. Because if sin is always going to be constant, we have to persevere. We have to be resilient. We have to be willing to battle. And when we talked on Wednesday night, nobody got this. So we'll try it again, because some of you are my age. Who remembers the never-ending story? Yes! Awesome! Great! This will work. The kids were like, what? Like the dragon with fur? Like what? So yeah, we have the hero, right? And there's this guy who's on this quest, and this is a picture of resilience. And no matter what he faces, he continues through, even to the point where he ends up in the nasty swamp and his horse dies and he gets sneezed on by a turtle and he just continues and he continues and he continues. He perseveres. He is resilient. He's not giving up. That's the language that James uses. Persevere. Don't give up. These next two verses, we're going to look at 14 and 15 again. These next two verses... 
James is going to explain the principle again about temptation, sin, where it comes from in our lives. Now, you see a triangle up on the screen. Um, I could not figure out how to draw a triangle to, into the bulletin space. So hopefully there's a little bit of room for you to add a little triangle, and we'll fill it in together, and then I'm going to encourage you at the end uh, the same way we did with the teenagers on Wednesday with your own thoughts and stuff. So let's look at verse 14 again. Verse 14 says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. We are tempted. We are carried away. We are enticed by our, 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 your evil desires. Your desires are your desires. Mine are mine. His are his. Hers are hers. Some are similar. Some are not the same. Some have to do with pride. Some have to do with rebellion. Some have to do with filth. Some have to do you fill in the blank. I don't know what you're struggling with this morning. But we all have this inside of us. And this is what James tells us. They drag us away. They pull us away. And this one worked. Who's, you remember Tom and Jerry? Right? My kids love it. Which I'm, I'm totally okay with. Because I'd rather them watch that than some of the other stuff that's out there. But, you know, and it's not because I'm, like, staunchly against it. I just think it's stupid. So, um, like, if, if you watch some cartoons, I don't, it's cool. I don't care. I just, for me, I don't know. I don't get into it. But you see, like, there's uh, Jerry who's sleeping in his little mouse hole. And uh, the lady of the house makes a pie, and she sets it on the table. And it starts to the smoke or the, the, the steam wafts up. And it goes floating through the house. And it goes under his nose. And he shakes up out of bed. And... He goes floating towards the pie. He's like, yeah, cherry pie. Woo! Or apple, if that's your flavor of choice. I don't know. But he gets there, and what's he do? Woo! And he, like, dives right in. That's what James is saying. We are enticed. We are carried away. We have this inclination that's already built inside of us to do wrong. That's what it is. I have an eight-year-old and I have a five-year-old. I can't remember specifically what the day was, but I do remember the first time my daughter lied to me. Taryn, she ate a bunch of cookies. She was told not to eat the cookies, but she ate the cookies. It's not a big deal, right? It's cookies. Hey, Taryn, honey, did you eat the cookies? No. Are you sure I didn't eat the cookies? Now, she's got chocolate around her mouth. She's got cookie crumbs on her shirt. She, yeah. She's got, like, the chocolate cookie in her teeth, you know? And I'm like, are you sure you didn't eat the cookies? No. Who ate the cookies? Aunt Crystal. <laughs> now, I didn't have to teach her that. Why? It's inside of her already. Now, this is before she's able to really key in on TV and understand. Maybe she was, like, three, four, two and a half. I don't know. She's just figuring life out. I didn't have to teach her to lie. I didn't have to set that precedent. She just, it's inside of her. Taryn, did you eat the cookies? No. We deny this. And it's kind of like, it's not me. It's, it's inside of us. The word entice here it means to gratify, means to satisfy, to lure, and it ends in defrauding. It defrauds who we are as children of God and in our character and in our integrity and in our ability to pursue holiness. It carries us away. It entices us. 
that leads to this word temptation. Evil desires, temptation, thinking about it. Now I want to get a little bit closer to it. And then it smells a little bit better. Now it looks a little bit better. Now no one over there is going to know because they're not even watching. These are the desires. This, if we allow temptation to go unchecked and to get out of control, we give into it. And that's where sin really starts to get that foothold in our lives. Again, it's not the temptation. The, the pie on the table, the chocolate cake, the whatever it is, that's not the temptation. The feeling of, of striking out in anger, the feeling of being, that's not, that's not the sin. God expects that from us because we're not perfect. And it's in our nature to say, I'm going to stand as opposed. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet and still sinners, we were enemies of God and we're still, there's parts of us that are enemies with God. When we give in to that temptation, this is when it becomes sin. Temptation acted upon becomes sin. And again, rewind it back. The more I think about it, the more likely I am to do it. That doesn't necessarily mean that every time I think about it, I'm going to do it. What it means is I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to get closer to it. I'm going to get closer to it. Maybe you stop. Maybe something reels you back in. Maybe someone says, hey, what are you doing over there? Nothing. I was just, you know, there's a pie. It was a thing. I just, but I didn't touch it. I promise. But that doesn't always happen, does it? So, yeah, sometimes we think about it and think about it and something clicks in our head and goes, you know what? I, I shouldn't do that. This isn't right. I need to stop. Temptation gives birth to actions. It brings sin. Sin ultimately results in death. Sometimes it results in physical death. The question was asked last week, does my sin always result in physical something or other? Sickness, pain, suffering. Uh, I know Pastor John briefly mentioned it and answered it. The answer to that is yes and no. If I want to be promiscuous, and I want to behave in a way that's going to be reckless and immoral, and I contract some type of disease, guess what? That's a physical punishment for my sin. And it happens. If I go out to a party, and I get ridiculously drunk, and I get behind the wheel of my car, and I wrap it around a tree, and I lose my leg, guess what? That is an immediate physical punishment for my sin. It happens. What happens more often than not, though, is the spiritual death that we experience. Even if we're reborn, and even if we're alive in Christ, and even if that power is within us, the more we push towards sin, the more it becomes part of our nature, the more we close ourselves off to what the Spirit can do in our life. The, the, the harder it makes the Spirit say, hey, stop what you're doing. Don't do that. Don't do, your parents, hey, don't do this. Shut up, Mom. Shut up, Dad. I don't have to listen to you. Spiritual death. Part of being a new creature, this new creation in Christ is this new life. And having this new life gives us this power to overcome sin. To overcome temptation. It's being dedicated to follow the will of God in your life, which is another thing that we talk about. What's God's will for my life? Read the book of John. First and foremost, it's to accept Him and to trust Him to be delivered from death and to be given this new life. Well, what comes next? To be conformed 
and pressed into this mold of Christ to become more like Christ every day, to figure out what that means. Well, here's a good spot to start. How do I be more like Christ? How about sin a little bit less each day? Start there. Some people are like, well, I I can't be perfect. I can't, you know, I've got all this filth in my life. Okay, that's fine. Pick one thing. Pick one thing today to commit to to say, you know what? I'm not going to let my anger have a hold of me anymore. I'm not going to let my pride have a hold of me anymore. I'm not going to let my rebellion. I'm not going to let drugs. I'm not going to let alcohol. I'm not going to let sex. I'm not going to let filth. I'm not going to let vulgarities. I'm not, I'm going to make a stance and say, this I will give up. And guess what? Then you'll go, well, what's next? What's next? What's next? Why? Because you want to talk about an awesome addiction? Get addicted to the spirit working in your life. Isn't what Paul tells us? Don't be drunk with wine, but be drunk on the Holy Spirit, man. Let that consume you. Let that empower you. Let that lead you. That's powerful living. True followers of Christ, we seek to be liberated from sin. I need Teddy to come up here for a second. Connor's not in here. I was going to use Connor, but he's not here today. Can I steal this chair for just a second? I'm so sorry. So Teddy's going to be my friend. How you doing, Teddy? Me and Teddy are uh, pretty similar in size. So this isn't going to work for me. Right? He's a little bit bigger. I'm going to represent sin. Well, I was, but I'm going to change it up on you. You didn't know that yet. All right. So Teddy is a believer. Xander, can I borrow you for a second? Xander's going to be my, my friend. Because here's the difference. Come here, Xander. Xander, you're going to represent sin for me, all right? Now, we look at this, and we go, this is no contest. A street fight to end all street fights. Xander versus Teddy. Xander, here's what I'm going to ask you to sit in a chair. Because this is all sin has to do. Go ahead, Teddy. Put your feet up on him. Go ahead. That's it. Do you see that? How willingly Teddy was to just get down and let Xander put his feet upon him. This is what we do every day. We let that sin take and control us. It's something that has no power in our life. Something that we would look at and we would say, this is absolutely ridiculous. But yet, here we are like Teddy on our hands and knees letting sin say, I own you. I own every piece of you and I love it. That's what that means. All right, thanks guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Let's look at some verses in Romans. It says, that means, if you're wondering where this is coming from, this is coming from Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. These are some fun verses. This is from the message. It says, that means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. It doesn't get a vote. It doesn't matter. You don't say what I do. You don't impact me. I don't listen. I have two kids. I say, honey, what do you want for dinner? I want steak. I want steak. I want chicken nuggets. Nope. (laughs) They don't have a vote. That's what this looks like. Don't give it the time of day. I love it. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even entertain it. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full-time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead. Remember, you've been taken up off your hands and your knees. Sin has been put down in its place. You have been delivered into God's way of doing things. 
Here's the caveat. You can't do it your way. You have been delivered into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. Man, that's pretty awesome stuff. What's pretty awesome is at the end of verse 17, this is what James says. I'm back in James now. It says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from, in, coming, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadows. You know what's also awesome, a part of this verse is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says there's no temptation. There's no temptation. Listen, there's no temptation that you face that God has not already provided a way of escape. You have been delivered into God's way of doing things. God's way of doing things sometimes means it smells great, but it's not right. I was talking about this with some of the classmates. I think it may have been Raymond's class with the juniors talking about like a pig that returns to the mud and gets all filthy again, just like a dog that returns to its vomit. That's how we are. And the kids were like, oh, that's so disgusting. I'm like, yeah, it's in the Bible. And they're like, oh. But do you, you get that? I had a dog that threw up probably because she ate things she wasn't supposed to. My wife, I, real quick, because I've got a little bit of time. I'm doing really well today. I'm staying focused. I'm, I'm, this is awesome. But i got to tell you this, right? So my wife uh, went to Pensacola one year, and they went to this alligator farm. She got this alligator head. It's a legit alligator head. It's preserved, sharp teeth and everything. Uh, I used to take it to work with me and hide it in my coworker's desk, and they pull it out. Ah, phenomenal idea. Uh, one day, we were gone for a little bit longer, and my dog, I had a German Shepherd at the time, she ate it. All of it. All but the marbles, the eyeball marbles, the, the teeth, the, the skin, the, I mean, it was, we walked in the house and I said, why, who was playing with marbles in the bedroom? And Ashley said, we, we don't have marbles. I was like, girls, did you lose your marbles? Like, what's going on? And then, you know, I came downstairs and there's my dog. And all of it came out, man. And I was like, Remy, are you serious? And it was nasty. And in the amount of time it took me to go get a bag and a paper towel and some bleach or whatever, I got back, guess what? It was gone. Do you know what it said to her? Mmm, steak dinner. Do you know what your sin says to you, Eric? Steak dinner. Steak dinner. Do you know what it really is? Vomit. It's disgusting. But that's what we do. Hey, you've been delivered into God's way of doing things. Let that take hold in your life. This is what uh, Romans, I didn't put these verses up on the screen. I'm actually going to ask you to turn in your Bibles with me to these verses. We're going to look at three passages of Scripture. This is uh, in your note section. I think this says Paul's problem, right? Is that what it says? So here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. And I'll read it. If you're there, awesome, follow along. If not, just kind of key in here. This is what he says. 
For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Do you see where this is going? This is pretty awesome. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing good. Uh, so not sorry, the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For the willing person, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. A couple weeks back, here's, here's see, do. The willingness is there. Paul says, I'm willing. I'm willing. But the doing, eh, sometimes not so much. Who can relate to this? I can. I, I'm sure you can too. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. I love that. I love your word, God. I love it. It's in my heart. But. But I see a different law in the members of my body. I love it. I love to read. I love to pray. I love to have this relationship. But there's this war that is raging inside of me. In my members, in my flesh, in my hands, in my feet, every part of me that is not consumed with the Spirit, every part that is just allowed to run unchecked. Yeah, we love it. We love God. But who's in control? I see a different law in the inner, I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. I am willingly bowing down to the law of sin and letting it put its feet on my back and I stay there because I'm a knucklehead. That's what he says. When he says, wretched man that I am, he says, I'm a knucklehead. That's what he says. I don't know if that, that's not the actual translation. Don't, don't be like, hey, is that really in the Greek? It's not. <laughs> Hey, can I ask you a question? When was the last time we actually looked at our sin and our brokenness and looked at what was really in turmoil inside of us and said, what a wretched, filthy man? Instead, right, Ben, we've talked about this. We go, hey, I'm going to let this define me. I'm going to let this be who I am. Everybody knows that I'm going to be, hey, look, the sun is up longer. I'm in a happier place. Okay. So for the, like I said before, I get miserable in the wintertime. I've embraced it. I'm okay with it. God's not. It seems like a small thing on the surface, and maybe it is, but you know what? I'm okay with being rebellious. I'm okay with the filth that lives in my life. I'm okay with getting up out of bed and clicking on the TV, and I'm okay with listening to things, and I'm okay with seeing things that have no point in place in my life because, hey, you know what? It just It is who I am. Oh, you wretched, disgusting, woeful person. I told you, sometimes I feel like I'm a fraud. Because I have to look at this passage and I have to go, when was the last time I looked in the mirror and said, what a wretched, disgusting person? I'm fighting with my wife. That's not that big of a deal, right? Everybody fights with your wife. Who didn't fight with their wife this week? Raise your hand. Teddy, amen, man. Right? It doesn't matter. 
It says, don't be a knucklehead. You're wretched. Recognize that. I'm going to ask you to flip next. So that's Paul's problem. Paul's problem is recognizing the wretchedness. I have this law in the inner man, but my members fight against it. Recognize your wretchedness. That's our, the first problem. First, first step in overcoming this. Recognize our wretchedness. Here's what David writes in Psalm chapter 51, verses 1 through 6. Most of you are probably familiar with uh, what has taken place before David writes this psalm. If you have a Bible that has titles, it even tells you. David ran into a young lady named Bathsheba. Yeah, seriously. He's walking around, sees a young lady in the backyard, and he goes, I'm thinking about something. His thought led to action, led to sin, led to death. Physical and spiritual. How many people died because of David's stupidity? Well, you can at least say Uriah, right? Uriah dies. How many people in that battle that David said, listen, when the battle gets thick, you guys retreat, leave Uriah by himself. You don't think anybody died in the process of retreating? You don't think that David put these people in a position of peril because he had to cover his sin? You're not the only one impacted by your sin. David's number one soldier, dead. Guess what else happens? That poor baby. But sin only impacts me. You're wrong. You're wrong. This is what David says. David says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. This is what it says, against you, God, against you, you and only you have I sinned. You know, when was the last time we looked at our sin, regardless of how big or small it was? I was angry with my wife. I was yelling at my kids. I was doing A, B, and C. But you know what, God? It's not about what I did to Mr. Danella. It's not about what I did to Teddy. God, I sinned against you. God, you are the righteous judge. Remember those attributes of God, that holiness, that righteousness, that requirement for justice? I sinned against Teddy. I offended him. I did something I shouldn't have done. And man, I'm sorry. But ultimately, God, I am sorry. Because of that, I cannot have a spiritual relationship with you. I cannot be empowered by your spirit to overcome this the more I give in to it because I'm wretched. Recognize our wretchedness. This is David's desire. David says, I have sinned against you. When was the last time we stopped and said, you know what, God? I sinned against you. You are holy. You are righteous. You have set me apart for a purpose. And God, I have refused to do it. I have sinned against you. I've done what's evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. This is amazing to me because David recognizes and says, you know what? You could just destroy me and strike me dead right now and it would totally be fine. And you know what else, God? I deserve it. I absolutely deserve it. He said, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in my sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost 
being. And in the hidden part, you will make me known your wisdom. Hey, I want to overcome sin. Hey, build this psalm into your prayer life. God, I've sinned against you. Fill me with your wisdom. And then if you read the rest of the psalm, he goes through this purification process. Hey, that's us too. we got to go through this purification process. Recognizing our wretchedness, understanding, building this prayer into our life. God, this is a right focus. This is a right understanding of what sin is. This is the right understanding of the impact it has on our life. And this is the right way to deal with it. We don't just cover it up and say, it's totally okay. It's not a big deal. Like It just is what it is, man. It makes me cool. It makes you stupid. It makes you a wretch. That's what Paul said. Last verse as we close. You guys are familiar, I'm assuming, with Daniel. We're not going to read the whole verse. I put the whole one up there, but we just need the first part of it. We're not going to take it out of context. We're just going to read it. We're going to take it for what it is. We're going to figure out how to apply it to our life. This is Daniel. They're taken out of, uh, they're taken into exile. You know, they're put before the king. They're being fed all the meat and this and that. And David sa- Daniel says this, Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food, wine, blah, 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 blah. David made up his mind that he would not defile himself. Does anybody have the King James in here? No? Um, here's what I like about the King James when it says this. But Daniel purposed in his heart, in his innermost being, and who he was, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Do you know what that means? That means David was willing to, David, Daniel was willing to be totally accountable to God. Not only that, he had some friends that he hung out with. Those became his accountability partners too. He had built things into his life and he honored those commitments. Remember later on, we're only going to pray to you, but Daniel's praying in his room. What's going on? He stayed faithful. He purposed, he decided, he made up his mind and he honored it. If you go further on into Daniel, it talks about pretty much everyone fell away. They all went the way of, of the, the, the captive, uh, the, 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 into captivity. They all started worshiping the other gods. And David's heart, or, I keep saying it, Daniel's heart is broken. And he's poured out and he says, listen, everybody's turned their back on you, God, but I will stay faithful. This is character. This is his plan to purpose. You know, that looks differently for all of us. And I, I told the kids this on Wednesday night, you know, if you can't control what you're looking at on your phones, maybe put a little password in there that causes you to think of something that changes your mind. I, I, the, the, the specific uh, location slips my mind, but in Proverbs, there's an awesome Proverbs that says, a man without boundaries is like a city without walls. Wow. You know, maybe just putting that into your phone, every time you bring up a browser, maybe that's your new internet password. I don't know. Whatever it is. Maybe when you're going out with your friends and they're like, hey, have a drink. Hey, do this. Hey, how about this? Or you're alone with your girlfriend. Hey, what about this? Hey, ooh, hey. A man without boundaries is like a city without walls. And guess what? You will be destroyed. It will happen. Will you purpose in your heart Recognize, be prayerful, turn away from it, and purpose 
I had two kids that got in a little bit of a fight this week. And then one kid came up at the end of the school on Friday, and he was in tears. He thought he was going to get in trouble. He might. I don't know. We'll see what happens Tuesday. <clears throat> but he's, uh, so, so, what, so what happened? Well, he pushed me, and I hit him back, and this happened. Uh, okay, okay. So what's going to happen next time? Because there's, oh, there's going to be a next time. There's sixth graders. They're going to push each other in the hallway. They're going to go too far. Someone's going to get their feelings hurt, and they're going to have a fight. So his, his mother said to him, well, what could you do differently in the future? What should you do differently in the future? And I said to him, yeah, that's a good question. What should you do different next time? What could you do different? I could tell the teacher. I could do this. I could walk away. I said, let me ask you another question. What will you do differently next time? We know the shoulds. We know the woulds. We know the coulds. What will you do? This is what Paul said. My willingness is there, but by doing this kind of sucks today. Am I allowed to say that? My wife's not. I'll ask her later. She'll tell me, don't say things like that at the (laughs) thing. It's the truth. Your willingness, where's your doing this? Will you purpose in your heart to be different? Will you recognize what sin truly is? If you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know what, this is all kind of new to me, I still want to, you know, I want to learn a little bit more. Like, how, how about this relationship? How is this impacted? Come talk to me. Start today. That relationship with God, rebuild it, like David said. Only against you, God, have I sinned. Purify me, rebuild me, restore me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Lord, I just pray that um, as we uh, just leave here, uh, Lord, that you would just put in our hearts to realize that we are our own worst enemy, that sin is just so rampant in our lives, even on small scales. I think of those verses in Romans, even running small little errands for sin in our life. Unrepentant hearts, anger issues, rebellion, silly little things that Keep us from truly, fully experiencing who you are. Lord, help us to realize our condition. Help us to be able to look and say, look, I, I'm wretched and I need to get some things cleared up and taken care of in my life. Lord, realizing that you are the supreme authority in our life, or that your requirement for justice, it, 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 those little things that we do are still sins against you, Father. Lord, help us to purpose. Help us to build that determination into our lives, into our hearts, that we will seek to serve and to commit to following you, God. Lord, I pray if there's someone here this morning who's wrestling with something, whether it's it's being uh, just uh, rebuilt into their spiritual walk, that they would come talk to me or to Derek or to someone else here, Lord, that we could spend some time praying with them and showing them through Scripture what it means to to be reunited in spirit with you, how to get that filth kind of cut out of our life and what to do moving forward. And if there's someone here this morning who is wrestling with the idea of coming to trust you and saying, you know what, I recognize that there's a whole lot of stuff in me that needs to go. This is where it starts. Lord, you have empowered us. You have given us the freedom You have brought us up into doing your will. Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen. All right, thank you for joining us this morning. I greatly appreciate it. I was almost done at 1130, but it was close enough.